Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you turn in your Bibles with me today to Acts chapter 4, the book of Acts chapter 4, and we're going to pick up in verse 1. And do follow me if you can. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. We do welcome those listening by way of the internet live. Or if you just downloaded the podcast, we welcome you too. It says this. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. We know there were 3,000 at Pentecost, so I think that means not another 5,000, but growing again to 5,000 increasing. That's what we want to see in the church today. Verse 5 says this, the next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Now, what they're referring to is that in Acts chapter 3, they've just seen a cripple being healed. Uh, going up to the gate, beautiful. They've, they've prayed for this man, and they've seen him get healed. So now they're questioning, and they're saying, uh, what, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, it says, verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today, For an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and have been asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who has been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them not to speak no longer to anyone in, his na- in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us... We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. That's not too old, is it? 40? They seem to emphasize that. He was over 40 years old. Previously in Acts chapter 3, if you know the book of Acts, and we all love the book of Acts because we all want to get back to the book of Acts. We don't want to get back to the bit about Stephen getting stoned, but we want to get back to the book of Acts. We want to, if we read these stories in Acts chapter 3, you'll read an amazing story of Peter and John, the chapter before that this is referencing to, that as they go up to the temple one day and they're going up to pray, They meet a man at the side of the road, this crippled beggar by the gate beautiful. 
And on their way to the temple, they managed to minister and this opportunity to minister to this man. To pray that he would be healed. The the most famous line is this. In Acts chapter 3 verse 6 it says, Silver and gold, they said to him, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. Then, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not please get healed, but walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then it says they helped him up with his hand. And as he stood to his feet, his ankles became strong. And he began to walk. And then it says he went into the temple with them, leaping, jumping, and praising God. Amen? Amen. I want to see that kind of miracles. I don't know about you. I want to see that kind of move of the Holy Ghost in Cambridge. I want to talk to you today. And the title of the message is this. Living up to his name. Living up to his name. You see, the name of Jesus is more than just a name. We sung a song today. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. But I believe some of us sometimes forget the power and the wonder and the beauty of the name of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you today because... I believe that sometimes as Christians, we can get into a position in our lives where we've been a Christian for a long time and we we begin to forget the power and the wonder and the beauty of His name. And I want to talk to you today because I want to encourage you today and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to fire some people up to start to become the ministers of the Spirit in this nation at this time. They're going to be the people who step out in faith to see the Holy Ghost move in power. Living up to His name. You see, what happened here is in Acts chapter 4, what we've just read this morning is, when they saw the product, the fruit of this, what did they try to do? If you read Acts chapter 4 and you look through, all the way through, they didn't try to stop them talking. They didn't say, oh, stop playing your worship music. They said, stop talking about this name. They didn't say, stop having your meetings. Stop having your cell groups and whatever you're doing. They said, stop talking about the name of Jesus. We thought we killed him. We thought he was dead. Why do you keep talking about him? They said, we can't stop. We can't stop. We can't help it. I want to ask you today, can you help? Sometimes talking about him, can you stop yourself? we got to live up to his name. It says, Acts 4 verse 2, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were proclaiming in Jesus. Greatly disturbed, it says. These are officials. These are people who knew the Torah. These are people who knew the, the word of God. They were disturbed. I want to tell you today, I want to disturb Cambridge. I want to disturb disturb the villages around Cambridge. I want to disturb our nation with the name of Jesus Christ. Who's excited? Some of us, we forget the power of the name. Living up to his name. You know, I looked for many years. I, I, have you ever done this when, when you... When you're uh, looking for a child's name, or my mum and dad chose to call me Philip, you never like your own name. I don't know why. I always wanted to change my name. I actually wanted to be a Steve when I was younger. I just can't speak Spanish. I wanted to be a Steve, but I'm a Philip. Does anyone know what Philip means? Is there any Philips in the house? No. See, it's a popular name. Thanks, mum. You see, I, all my life when I grew up, I used to look, what's, the, what's the, the name Philip mean? And the name Philip meant lover of horses. Let me tell you, I am not a lover of horses. Or I think in another term, friend of horses. That's the, the meaning of Philip. You check out your meaning, you'll have a little joke. Has anyone ever had those photographs that someone on Facebook tags you on that you didn't wish they tagged you on? You know, them kind of pictures you flick through and you're trying to control your, your Facebook and, and all of a sudden someone tags you in a picture that you think, I personally wouldn't have tagged myself in that, but have you had one of those? Do you want to see one of mine that my wife tagged me on? Come on, bring it up. There we go. This is me and some people seem to refer to me in this picture as a German soldier in the Lake District. <laughs> I had someone in my, uh, you're laughing, you see. 
When I used to work in, in, the, in the company I used to work for before, someone saw this picture on Facebook, they downloaded it, saved it on their desktop, and they actually said this to me. Every time they felt depressed on Monday morning, they looked at this picture. <laughs> Truly. They looked at it to make themselves laugh again. I can tell you, I am not a lover of horses. I'm not a lover of horses. But I tried it. You know, Emma would call this another midlife crisis of mine. There's plenty more Facebook pictures that people have tagged me in that look like a midlife crisis. But let me tell you, I was in no midlife crisis. But one thing we need to do is not live up to any other name but the name of Jesus Christ. Some of us end up, we don't look what our name means, but we end up trying to live up to other things. We end up in our lives trying to live up to other names. You know these names. There is names out there today that tell you you've got to be successful. There are things out there that tell you you've got to achieve high. And some of us sometimes in our lives, we, we create these names, these targets to achieve. These things that we need to become. Until I get there, then I'm, I'm not reaching my standard. You see, for me, in my, in my career, all I wanted to do is have my own business. I wanted to achieve. I wanted to get there. I wanted to have the title. Do you know, sometimes we, we pursue these things and there is no strength in them whatsoever. And I remember trying to, to do this. And I remember in the company I worked in, the day they gave me a new name, they gave me the senior position. I went from the junior to the senior. Oh boy, I did feel older. More responsibilities came. They gave me the senior position. I had the, the business card changed to senior. Oh, I was walking around the office showing them, this is the senior position. And then the juniors came. And I look, you, one day you'll be a senior. Like moi. Did you want to see my business card? We all have targets. We all have names. Things we're trying to achieve and get to. And live up to. But let me tell you, when I worked in the company... That title on that business card was only as ever strong as the company. Because if the company failed, I fail. Listen to me. If you put your trust in any other name, you've got to know what that name stands for. And Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Peter in Matthew 16, he got a name from Jesus. He was told, you're now not a reed, you're a rock. So I'm going to give you a new name. So you're no longer a reed that sways. You're going to be a rock that stands firm. And on you, the church is going to be built. There's going to be a foundation from you. Peter, I see a rock in you. If I was Peter, I'd have loved that day. I would have tagged myself on Facebook in that picture. Selfie. This is me receiving the name The Rock. From Jesus. Now listen. What's interesting about Peter is. That when Peter receives the name the rock. He still denies Jesus. He denies Jesus and fails him. Would you say that he's living up to that name? He's not living up to the name the rock. But one thing Peter began to realize is. That he didn't live up to that name. He lived up to the name who gave him the name. The rock of his salvation. Some of us today need to question, what name are we living up to? What is the fruit in our lives that suggests we're living up to the name of Jesus? Psalm 61 verse 2, David said this, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. In other words, I want to look to something that's bigger than me. I want to put my life in perspective of something that's bigger than me. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. What name are you living up to? And I'll tell you something today that when we do start to pursue other names in our lives, what happens is this. We begin to let the name of Jesus become diluted. You say, oh no, but you don't understand. I've got to pursue this career. I've got to do this and I want to do this. And when I do, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to give him my all. But Jesus is saying, I want you first. I want everything about you. I don't want you to bring me what you have and what to show me what you can do. I want you. And sometimes what happens is when we dilute his name, Actually, we never share his name anymore. 
We begin to get more shameful of ourselves. Sin begins, begins to creep in. Some of us live up to the name of sin. We've accepted certain things that we're addicted to. We've accepted certain things that we can't seem to break. We've accepted that some of us today, we've got an addiction to something we cannot break. And so we say, that is me. That is who I am. That's the limit. That's my name. I cannot change this. I cannot seem to break the cycle. But I want to tell you, the name of Jesus has the power to break your label. Stop telling yourself that the enemy has won. The name of Jesus has the power to break that label. I want to just show you something before we move on. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 6 to 8, Paul's charge to Timothy is this. We love this scripture and we always prophesy over people. You need to fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit. That, that you receive through the laying on of hands. But I want us to just look at this, what it says, because if you look around that scripture, he says this. Paul's charge is, he says, I remind you to fan into flame, verse 6, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave, God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Verse 8, so do not be ashamed. Of the testimony about our Lord. Or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You don't tell people that bit. The bit that Paul says is this. He realizes that the shame that's coming on him. This thing that's making Timothy more timid. Is the fact he's not no longer sharing his testimony the way he needs to. And what Paul says is. I want you to join me in the suffering. Because when you do you'll see a release of the power of God in your life. You need to fan into flame. How do you do that? You'd start to share the name of Jesus again. You start to tell people about Jesus. I put here that your testimony is your greatest icebreaker for God's power. Some people say to me on evangelism, they say, What's the, the, the biggest problem I have is how do I, how do I start a conversation? What's an icebreaking conversation? I'll tell you what the best icebreaker conversation is. Your testimony. In John chapter 4, the woman, she was at the well with Jesus. When she shared her testimony in the town, it says the whole place got saved. They came up to meet Jesus. If you want to see something break into, into your surroundings, your sphere of influence, your workplace, your town, your city, you've got to start sharing what Jesus has done in your life. Your testimony is your greatest icebreaker. For God's power. Colossians 3.17, Paul said this, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything we do. You see, hiding the name of Jesus hinders our effectiveness. Hiding the name of Jesus will hinder your effectiveness. If you hide him, you know, the Bible tells us in the book of Luke that if we're ashamed of Jesus, he will be ashamed of us when he returns. Did you get that? If you're ashamed of telling someone about the Jesus that you're singing about this morning. You see, it's so easy to stand here and raise our hands and sing that what a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. But then tomorrow in your workplace, do you even share about him? See, the thing is this. But Jesus says that when he returns, he's going to say, some of you, I don't know you. I don't know you. Yeah, but we prophesied in your name. We, we sang on Sunday in your name. We, we sung what a beautiful name it is. We sung it three times with passion. And we prophesied at the end of it. And, and we felt you speaking to the meeting, God. Jesus says, yeah, but I didn't know you. Because what you did in the hour on Sunday, you didn't do nothing on Monday to Saturday. Hiding the name of Jesus will hinder your effectiveness. What did Peter and John see when they lived up to Jesus' name? I want to look at just a few things this morning of what they saw change and happen as they began to move in power, declaring the name of Jesus. Acts 4.10 says this, Know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. His name, Jesus' name, has the power to bring restoration. 
It has the power to bring restoration. If you're saying in your life, this thing, there's nothing left. It's dead. There's no way this could ever change. Let me tell you, the name of Jesus has the power to restore. Peter said, know this. It's the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The name you try to erase is the name that has, made, that has the power to make this man raise. In other words, you try to erase this name. Here he is. Look at him. Look at the man that was once dead, that was once crippled. Sorry. He's now stood with strength. He has the power to raise someone up. You see, Peter and John had a choice to go to the temple or set an example. Some of us, sometimes, we're so good at coming to church. We like to come to church, but I want to ask you today, are you the church? Are you the church? Sometimes we can find it so easy to go to the temple, but to set an example is a different thing. You see, on their way there, they were on their way to pray. And they were thinking, oh, what, a, what, a, what an amazing time we're seeing all these miracles. Oh, there's that guy there. That's that guy from birth. He's the one from birth who's been crippled. There's no way, you know, there's no way he can be healed. Let's look for someone who's just got a cold. Let's look for someone, just for an easy one, to get ourselves warmed up a little bit. Someone who's got a migraine, maybe. But no, they walk up to the temple on their way to prayer. And they see an impossibility. They see someone who's got a name for themselves. In fact, this person is living up to the name, the crippled beggar by the name, by the gate, beautiful. The place where his friends, it said, would put him there every day. He didn't get there himself. They would carry him and put him at the gate, beautiful. So he's got a name for himself now. From birth, he's the man who you see. Every time you walk past there, you see him because he's accepted and received this name. They walk past. And they realize that inside of them, they carry a name that is bigger than any other name. That when they see this impossibility, they realize they can change the circumstance. They go up and he says, have you got any cash? They say, silver and gold. We don't have. Look at us. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. We've got to see this again. Jesus' name has the power to restore people's bodies. It has the power to restore strength into impossibilities. It has the power to raise that which is crippled and dead in your life. Whatever you're saying now, there is no way, there is no way, there's a label, there's a name over my life. And I'm living up to the fact, I'm living up to the fact that I'm in debt. I'm living up to the fact that I'm, I'm someone who can't seem to take control of my finances. I'm living up to the fact that my marriage is broken and that I'm just a failure. I'm living up to the fact that this is me this is who I am this is my label Jesus says no do you know that my name has the power to change to restore to set you free to break the chains of addiction they knew that when they said this to him that something would happen. I want to know. I want to know sometimes. I don't know about you, but I want to know what happened to Peter and John that made them so strong in their faith. At one time he denies Jesus. Now, Acts chapter 1, I'll tell you what happens. They see the resurrected Christ. It says that they met, him, met with him. He was almost like a ghost-like figure, but not because he even ate fish with them. You know, this is just crazy. This, he, he, he revealed himself to them. They thought he was dead. But the name that they'd followed around for three years was now walking with them. And I'm telling you, when you have an encounter with Jesus, when you pursue Jesus, when you seek him and desire him and want to see everything about Jesus in your life, you're going to get an encounter that will change your life. I'm not here to come to King's Church to sit here every week and just have meetings. I want to see the power of God moving. Flowing from this place. Otherwise I'm out of here. We've got to see it. And it's possible.
Because the name above all other names has not changed. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I do not change. I do not change. I'm the same Jesus today as what was there when they spoke the word to his body. You just got to step out in faith. The late Smith Wiggles have said this. In me is working a power stronger than every other power. The life that is in me is a thousand times bigger than I am on the outside. Sometimes you're thinking, I'm just not strong enough for this. I want to tell you that what you feel on the outside is nothing to do with what God can do through you. Nothing compared to what he can do. He can restore. They knew that he could restore the cripple. But I want to say to you today, a lot of us like to be Peter and John in this story. We like to be the Peter and John who go up and do this miracle. But sometimes there's some people in here who you're saying right now, I'm that cripple. I'm the cripple and I can't stand up. I look at people walking by to the temple. I look at people walking and going to church and doing their thing. The holy ones. The ones who seem to have everything together. And I'm just crippled. This is my, this is my position. I can't do any more than this. And I want to tell you today that Jesus can take you and raise you again. Your ministry is not over. What God wants to do through you is not over. You see, what happens is we get paralyzed in our faith. We accept our label. We've been knocked down. We've been broken. We've become a cripple in our faith and our ministry. Somebody here right now, you need to know that you are not a cripple in your ministry. Jesus wants to lift you again. He wants to put strength back into your ankles again. He wants to give you the ability to walk again in his name. You see, because Jesus is the one who gives you more than one chance. He doesn't give up on his kids. Whatever it is that's holding you down, failure, brokenness, guilt, Jesus can take you and lift you again. See, I don't know whether you've ever read this before, but when I look at what Jesus did on the cross, you see, the power of the name of Jesus is all about what he did on the cross. When they told him to stop talking about him, they said, you're talking about Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. In other words, you're saying he's alive. We killed him. I want to tell you that what Jesus did on the cross, he paid the price for your sins. Yes, he did. He made the atonement for you to be clean and washed and pure. But I don't know whether you read this in Colossians 2, 13 to 15. Paul says this. This is what happened when Jesus died on the cross for you. This is the name that represents you when you believe him. He forgave us all our sins, says verse 13. 14 says, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Then I love this, verse 15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. I want to just tell you something. When Jesus died, the Bible says that he did not just die for sin. He became sin. There's a moment in the, in, in the Bible we read when Jesus dies on the cross and the Father goes silent. Why? Because our sins were laid upon him. That moment when his Father turned his back. See what Jesus was doing is he was taking the keys of death from Hades and all hell was watching Jesus all hell was watching Jesus this name the one they tried to destroy the one they thought they had destroyed the name they thought they had erased now they watch and it says that Jesus made a public spectacle of them the new the king james version says he made a show of them i want to tell you today he has made a public public spectacle of the enemy there is nothing that can hold you down death cannot hold you down your sin 
can't hold you down. The legal charge has been paid for. Come on, we've got to rejoice. He made a public spectacle. He made a show of them. You see, if you want to receive this, you want to be the cripple. Maybe you don't know Jesus today in here. Maybe you don't know him and you're saying, my life is broken. I need to know a savior. We need, I, I, need, I need to have forgiveness for my sin. Then what do you need to do? You see, when Peter and John offered Jesus to the cripple, he put his hand out. You have to receive. You have to take the hand of those who are offering the message to you and stand. There wasn't just something where Peter and John said, you know, we want to offer this message. He took the, the hand. He received Jesus. He received Jesus. He said, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He didn't say, oh, I don't know if I can do that. He said, okay, I receive in faith. Some of you today, if you don't know Jesus, and you're saying my life is broken and I need a savior, I want to tell you today, when there is an opportunity at the end of this service for you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you've got to like the cripple to put your hand out and say, me. I want to receive him. I want this. I want Jesus. Because I can't live like this any longer. I can't live in my sin and my brokenness and my failures. I need strength again. You've got to put your hand out and receive him. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, all those who would receive him and believe his name, the name above all names, no longer are you the cripple. No longer are you the one who's addicted to sin. No longer am I the one who's broken and addicted to alcohol and drugs. No longer am I the one who's broken in my sin. Why? Because I believe you, Jesus. And I put my hand up to you. And then what Jesus says is this. If you believe in me, you are not the cripple. You are not the person you think you are. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. Did you know that? That when you receive Jesus, you enter into the family of God. Hallelujah. The second thing today. The first thing they see, they see restoration in the name of Jesus. The next thing they see is supernatural revelation. Acts 4.13 says, when they saw, these officials of the temple saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let me tell you, following Jesus is not a religion. Following Jesus is not a religion. When you are with Jesus, people are going to see Jesus all over you. The Old Testament tells us about Moses, that the radiance was upon him. People saw the radiance on his face. The same goes for you. The more you pursue his name, the more you live up to the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to see that the radiance of Jesus, the fragrance of Jesus is going to be all over you. That's what makes you the type of person that says, I cannot help it because I am consumed with the Holy Ghost. You see, Jesus says, I'm going to send one in John chapter 14, 15. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to send one like me, an advocate, one who is just like me. The Holy Spirit, the name above all names, can live inside of you. And when he does, and you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you will begin to see your life change. I want to tell you today, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, the Holy Ghost plays a part in your journey of receiving Jesus. But let me tell you, there's more. Oh, there's more. There is more because Jesus said, you've got to get to, you've got to, get to Jerusalem and receive the gift. Why? To get empowerment. 
And we see as we read the book of Acts and we see that that early church beginning, we see that actually they needed that infilling of the Holy Spirit because life tries to choke it out of you. But listen to me, the more full you are of the Holy Ghost, the more people see Jesus in you. You see, they looked and they saw ordinary men, unschooled men. I don't know about you, but I feel like one of those. I feel like an unschooled, ordinary person. See, when I took this role on four years ago to be the minister of this church, I had not trained to become a minister. Everyone's going to leave now. I'm not trained. But the one thing I knew is inside of me when I gave up my career to follow Jesus, is I knew that the Holy Spirit was inside of me. And all I wanted to do was follow His lead. I didn't need a piece of paper. I needed Him. And some of us sometimes, there's people in here right now, you're saying, I can't live up to the name of Jesus because I need a qualification. I've got to go to college to get the qualification to live up to the standard of being a minister. Listen to me today. Every single person in this room is a minister. Every one of you. If Jesus was here today, he'd be upset if he knew that it was just about certain people having titles. I want to tell you today, you are all today ministers if you believe in Jesus Christ. And you receive him. And if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can do great things for him. They were unschooled, ordinary men. But Acts 4 verse 8 says, but Peter, when he spoke back to them, it says, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when they watched and looked, they saw unschooled people. The reason why they were astonished is because they knew that they were not schooled. But there was an authority in them that was not from their schooling. I want to tell you today that you need to gain that authority by being with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus. You see, we read the Bible to get revelation, not education. We read the Bible not to get education, but revelation. I want to tell you something. It is a living word. When you read the Bible, it's not about how much of of the book of Mark can I get in my head and my mind. The The Bible says we need to meditate on his word. Do you know what meditate means? That means you've got to read the word. And I want to encourage you today. If you want to get if you want to get close to Jesus, you want fresh revelation, if you feel unschooled today. What you need to do is read your Bible, but actually not keep reading for a long period of time, but meditate on, the, on areas that you're focusing on. Let the Word of God absorb into you. And I'm telling you, you will see more in a verse than you've ever seen before. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will remind you, will speak to you, and the Word will come alive. You see, many years ago, I used to do this. I got saved, and I, I didn't know how to read the Bible. So what I did is I went, what everyone does, I went on to... Uh, everydaywithjesus.com or wordoftoday.com. I thought I'll buy myself a word or get a free word of today. And I don't know about you if you've ever done this, but this was my reading the Bible. I'd flick through the word of today because I didn't know what to read in the Bible. Because every time I flicked and asked for God to speak to me, I ended up on Lamentations. (laughs) Or the book of Revelation, I thought, who's a beast? So I thought, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to try and read a word today. A bit of structure in my life. So I got a word of today. It's free. Well, you have to donate something, but it's, it's free if you're a student. And so I got word of today, and I flicked through. And I look at the, at the day, and then what I got into is this. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I thought, you know, Jesus is not really speaking through the, today's on the 22nd of January. So I might look at the 22nd of January 2015. I might go back a year and see whether that one works for me. And I kind of treat it like a lucky dip. I'll flick through and try and find something that meets with where I am. The problem with that is, is what I'm trying to do is match up the word of God to my life. Jesus wants us to read the word and meditate. Not do a lucky dip. Not do this. But to meditate on his word. John chapter 14, 26 says, The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will teach you all things. Did you hear that? He said, Jesus said this with his own words. He says, the Holy Spirit, by the way, you can have today, you can receive him and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will teach you all things and will remind you of what? Everything 
I have said to you. Some of us have got to start getting back into our word again. Spending time with Jesus. So you can hear what he's saying to you. So that his name is the thing that you're living up to. Charles Stanley said this. An unschooled man who knows how to meditate upon the Lord has learned far more than the man with the highest education who does not know how to meditate. We need to meditate on his word. No matter how unschooled you feel, the Bible says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I don't know about you, but I feel foolish today. I feel like a foolish cracked pot, but I'm filled with the treasure that Jesus gives. Emma's laughing. But I'm a I feel like a crackpot sometimes. I feel like I'm breaking. But listen, he chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Some of us today need to know if we want revelation from God, we've got to spend time with Jesus. I put here that greater ability in the spirit is always found in a greater sensitivity to the spirit. If you want a greater ability, then get a greater sensitivity to the spirit. If you want to see greater things through your life, then pursue a life that gets a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And you'll see change. Finally, as I come to a close on, one of the things that they saw as well was, and what we would see today, I believe, if we, let, we live up to that name is a revolution. I'm not talking about an overthrow of the government. You know, I like Donald Trump's to some degree. Only joking. Theresa May, I'm not talking about political overthrow. I'm talking about that the church has a duty to see a supernatural revolution. Do you realize that the church, it's the church's responsibility to see what Jesus paid the price for on the cross? When he, when hell looked at him and he disarmed their, their weapons, he disarmed them. And he made a public spectacle of them. He paid the price for you on the cross. Do you realize today that we owe it to Jesus? There is a sense of urgency on this hour to share the name of Jesus. In Acts 4 verse 18 to 20 it says this. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And this is what they replied. Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you. Or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter and John's response, let me tell you, triggered a spiritual, supernatural revolution. If they wouldn't have responded in that way and they'd have been held back by the authorities, then the gospel would not be here today. But they stood there. And they realized that if they stood and said, we will listen to God more than you. Let me tell you, our nation and our season that we're in at the moment, we're in a time where people are trying to stop the name of Jesus being proclaimed. You say, no, no, I'm not so sure about that. There is things happening now which is trying to hinder the name of Jesus being proclaimed. Jesus is now being removed from schools. If he's not being removed from schools, he's being diluted in schools. There will be a season and a time coming when you will sense and know that we're getting so more close to the end because people will be trying to completely remove Jesus. You will be the ones on the narrow road. Sometimes you feel like, oh, this is the wide road. There's lots of Christians. It will always be a narrow road. Jesus never said that by the end it's going to get wider and wider. We will always be the minority Why? Because people in the end times will be lovers of themselves. People will seek after things that are nothing to do with God. They will live up to names that are their own trophies. And I want to tell you today that we have a duty to bring a supernatural revolution. I want this church to be a church that starts to move in the power of the Holy Ghost like we've never moved before. I'm not just saying this for words. I'm telling you, we have got to be the revolution. We have got to change. We've got to see what Jesus wants to do. Because he died for this. And you can do this. We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. 
Nobody was going to stop them. But someone's always trying to stop you. In your workplace, you'll find there are people who sometimes don't want you to talk about Jesus. In your life, there are people who don't want you to talk about him. But I'm telling you, from tomorrow, I want you to make a change in your life. I want you to leave this place today and say, I'm going to become the people. I want to have a spirit about me that says, I cannot help talking about Jesus. I am addicted to Jesus. I'm addicted to talking about Jesus. I cannot stop sharing about Jesus. I cannot stop praying for the sick. I cannot stop believing that God's going to do an amazing miracle. And I want the name above all names to change all of the names of the labels of people around me. That are suffering and struggling. See the church for far too long sometimes. We try to feed people's labels. When we need to free them from their labels. They said silver and gold we ain't got. I know I could pay you and keep your label. And I bet the people were laughing around when they saw them. (laughs) I cannot believe those guys are going to the guy that's been. That's been crippled from birth. Come on. Said we ain't got money. I ain't going to feed your label like you want me to. I'm going to remove your label. See, the name above all names can remove any name over your life. But we can live up to names that we fear. See, names in our life become the ceiling for us. We hit a ceiling and we can't move any further. Galatians 5, 7, Paul says, who's cut in on, who's cut in on you from running the race? People sometimes, names that we fear, cut in on us and remove the, the, the speaking of Jesus' name. I want to tell you though, the name of Jesus has the power to shake our city. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe in his name. You've got to believe in his name. If you want to join us back on keys, that'd be great. People are always trying to stop the name of Jesus. Just a year or so ago, I was at Freshers' Fair in Cambridge. We, we go to share Jesus, and we have a stand there. And I went with my friend Rob at the back there. And we were down with a team of people. And I'll never forget this, stood uh, outside of Kelsey Carriage. And a security guard walked up to me and says, you've got to stop doing what you're doing. You can't do what you're doing. You need to move away from here, and, and I just sensed in my spirit that Jesus wanted to do something. So I said, can I, we want to just, we, we want to stay. He says, you, you're not allowed, you've got to move on. I said, well, can I speak to your boss? This guy was big. His boss was bigger. He brought his boss down. He says, these guys have said they're not going to move on. I said, well, we just want to talk to you first. I said, before we move on, can we pray for you? So we stood there and I prayed for this security guard as he stood there in front of me. And as I prayed for him, I began to prophesy and give him words of knowledge over what was happening in his life at that season and time. And he said, yeah, you're right. How do you know all this? We said, we, we know Jesus. And then we said, is there any pain in your body? He said, yes, I've got a problem in my elbow. I think it was his elbow, his arm. We said, we believe Jesus can heal you now. So we put our hands upon his, his arm and he felt a heat go through his arm. And then he said, all the pain is gone. This is the boss of the security guard who told me to move on. I said, we're going to move on now. We're going to honor you. But we just felt that God needed to do something first. He then said to me, he says, you can stay. He said, just go over there out of the way. And then you won't get me into trouble. Listen to me, Jesus' name needs to be proclaimed. The enemy, every time you step out, the enemy is going to try and stop you. But we have the ability in us to see the name of Jesus proclaimed with power and authority. I want to remind you, Mark 16, 17 to 18, it says this, These signs, listen to me today, get this in your spirit. These signs, said Jesus, will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And then later in verse 18, they will place their hands on sick people. And they will get well. They will get well. Jesus said, they'll place their hands on sick people. And they will get well. By the way, if you put your hand on someone and you've not seen healing, 
He says they'll get well. Not always they'll get instantly healed. You've got to start believing that when you put your hand on someone, that you're ministering the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're like an intravenous thing that's moving the power of God into their body. If they say the pain ain't gone fully yet, so I'll pray again then. I'm going to pray again. Come here, let me lay my hand upon you. Believe in the name of Jesus. Next week, we've got kings on the streets. We've got school of evangelism coming up. We've got all these things coming up. I want to tell you, we've got to step up a gear. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this week. And tell me that, to tell the church this, that we're in a season, we're in a season where he wants us to testify. It's a testifying season. Do you know that when, when the, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, it says the Holy Spirit came on them. It says what? It says that they, be, they will become witnesses. I felt the Lord tell me, tell the people they need to testify. Tell the people they've got to testify about me. They need to speak about me. There needs to be a resounding name in this city. My name needs to be proclaimed from the rooftops. And there will be breakthrough. You'll see the Spirit of God move. I felt the Lord said to me, you ain't seen nothing yet. Testify. Testify. Be a witness. Albert Benjamin Simpson, a theologian and evangelist, said this. The chief danger of the church today is that it's trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world upside down. I don't want to be a church that gets on the same side of the world anymore. I want to be a church that turns the world upside down. There were 12 disciples. A few people turned the world upside down. They began a revolution supernaturally and spiritually that today we reap the benefits for. And I want to tell you today, let's stand. God can use you. God can use you. The name of Jesus. It needs to be proclaimed. Hallelujah. Paul says this in Colossians 1.27. And I finish with this. He says, to them, that's the Lord's people. God, and this is to you. God has chosen to make, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. That's our people. The glorious riches of this mystery. Which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.